0: Episode of Dash podcast and today I have a very exciting guest with me. I have Kiran Lanakin. Uh, he is the VP of Growth at Spot. is one company which you might have heard of and you probably should have heard of. You know, <laughs> so they are like, like leaders in content creation and content marketing. So Kiran uh, leads the VP of uh, is the VP of Growth at Spot and he's also an author. He's also a startup advisor and VP is also a mentor. So hey, Kiran, welcome to the podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. Excited to be on.
0: Awesome. So uh, in last uh, one of the episodes I hosted Beth Bush from Traffic is Currency on Product-Led Growth and it kind of got me excited uh, on this particular topic. So I thought of bringing you on. And uh, so again, I'd like to know from your perspective like what is Product-Led Growth?
1: Uh, so, okay, so Product-Led Growth, I think the way I think about it is there are a couple of types of ways businesses can grow. And so, it's in a sales-led uh, model, you generally acquire leads, and the uh, go-to-market is led by a sales team. In that, you create demand for a sales team, and that sales team reach out and interact with that demand, and try to convince you know those some of those people that the product is a good fit for uh, for your for their business. And so, in a product-led uh, model, you generally let the product both acquire. Activate and monetize customers, and that your product will have some type of um, acquisition uh, mechanics built into it. It will be able to either through virality or maybe it's uh, user, user-generated content and generates traffic from search. Or there's some ways that the product itself can acquire demand, and then the product has like really good onboarding, uh, activates people into the value of their product, and then within those. Um, and then within that product, there's the ability for a user to like upgrade and pay, pay money. Typically what you see actually in the B 2 B2B space is more of a, what you're starting to see is more of a hybrid of a sales led and product led model where you have a a product that is either free trial, some type of free trial, and the company is invested in onboarding, or it has a freemium model and you acquire people into that experience and the product tries to onboard people onto the value of the product. And then it can either that user can either upgrade through a touchless motion where they can just pay you money through a credit card, or they can take actions within the product that will cause them to be connected with someone on sales. And we call that a product qualified lead. It's generally what we think of when we uh, think about product qualified lead, uh, demand or product-led growth.
0: That's interesting, and uh, you know, so you have, uh, so so you have a lot of content uh, already on your blog about product-led growth, and you know, you're writing on different sites. I see here are you're being on other on other podcasts and talking about product-led growth. So today I want to talk about, you know, some of the downsides, if, if there if there are any uh, for product-led growth. So you know, are are there any downsides while implementing product-led growth in a company, and if there are, then what?
1: Yeah, I think that uh, I think there is like upsides and downsides of every model dependent upon how you execute. So regardless if you are doing a sales led model or a product led model or a hybrid of both those things, generally the upsides and downsides are to do with your execution of them. So you can choose to have a product led uh, you could choose to have a product led growth strategy but that your product is not it's so complicated that it's very difficult for the user to figure out what the value of that product is without a human taking them through it, right? So, you can attempt to onboard someone to the value of your product, but either the time to value, the time for them to experience the value of your product is very long. So, that tends to not work great for a free meme or a free trial motion, or it's a very complicated product. So, you're so that person is unable to like identify that value or discover that value themselves. And so they have to have a human and connect with a salesperson or, or you can connect with like a customer success person to teach them about that value. Um, And so I don't think that there's specific things. There's things that can go wrong with the execution of product-led growth strategy. And there are, you know, if you have chosen that strategy and it's not a good fit for, how your customers want to buy and experience your product, then there's a lot of things that can go wrong and are downsides. But there's not anything inherently worse or better about a product-led strategy versus a sales-led strategy. I think it's very dependent upon how relevant they are to your market and how well you execute on them.
0: Okay, that's interesting. And uh, so you talk about, you know, uh, one thing which uh, can make uh, the product-led uh, framework fail in a company which is, uh, which is implementing that is, uh, you know, execution of that. So I like to understand like what kind of team is required to, you know, implement this thing or who will drive the execution because you said like execution is one of the factors which can affect, uh, you know, which can make the product-led growth fail and uh, execution is done by a team, right? Usually a team. So what kind of... Does a product led company who is product led
1: growth Yeah, so I think it starts with everything starts with understanding your customer, right? So you can, it's actually not just the team who execute the strategy, it's the company who picked the go to market. And so if I pick the product, if I'm saying, okay, you know, I really want to have a low touch, frictionless, Business. I want to have a business where my customers will come in, they'll start to use the product on their own, they'll use it for a certain amount of time, and they'll be like, oh, wow, I just have to upgrade because there's these additional things that are uh, value that I need, that I just want to pay money. And there's like lots of examples of businesses who do this really well. right? Zoom are... An incredible example of a company that have a product-led strategy. They have a hybrid, right? So they have a product-led strategy for the lower end of the market where they can just acquire users through a freemium model. They don't really have to worry too much about those users coming in because there's natural virality built within their product because I have to share my Zoom link with other people to get to experience the product, and then they want to sign up for it themselves. And that means they can focus a lot of their marketing efforts on the enterprise version of, of their business in the higher up, companies. And so you have to go through and think, okay, well, I want to have the business like Zoom where I have like this amazing uh, low touch frictionless way to acquire users and they can experience their product and they can get value from it and they can understand that value. Well, you, you have to, that, that has to be a good fit for both your product and how customers want to experience your product. But if I have a very complicated financial product that does accounts and taxes and all these different things, and it takes me a lot of time to like figure out how to use that product, and the the cost to pay some of money for that product is quite high, then. I probably want to come in, get a demo of the product, someone to sell me on the benefits and someone, and that's going to help me to, you know, part with my money. And so you have to make sure that the go to market you choose is a good fit for the customer you have and the product you have, like the customer product fit has to be there for the go to market to be right. And so that that's and then on the execution of it. Well, there's so many things that can go wrong on execution of anything. I think some of the things that are complicated are you. You need to be able to build uh, some type of you know acquisition uh, machine where you can continually acquire. Uh, if you've chosen to do product-led growth, and a, let's choose that say we've chosen to do freemium. The reason you use freemium is because. The freemium model is built with acquisition in mind. People, the conversion rates of someone in freemium from free to paid are always going to be worse than a free trial, always going to be worse than a demo. And each of those people probably have some human interaction. So your cost to convert that person is higher because they probably talk to a human, either a salesperson or a customer success person. So the conversion rates in freemium are going to be lower, which means that your product has to have some sort of virality or some sort of way to, uh, you know, really grow that top of the funnel for it to be worth you doing that as a model. The other thing that freemium creates, and you can do free trial and that can be a product like growth model, but just stick to freemium. The other thing freemium creates for you is it creates a lot of noise. So you start to generate a lot, a wide variety of people and you hear a lot of by, your product not being a great fit oh this is not a good thing why don't you invest in this and these people may not be the people buying but paying you money or even your right fit customer but they're using your product and it gets kind of very noisy um the other thing that uh, you have to be very conscious of is how do i make sure i give enough of my product away for free that it does it does create that type of virality but i don't give so much away for free that people don't know why they should pay me money so for example Evernote is used by a lot of people, but they give so much of the product away for free that it's very difficult for people to know why they should pay for money or what they should pay for. And Evernote did that, why they did that was smart in that they thought, well, if we just have a lot of people using the product, over time, they will eventually pay us money. But I think that that is a very um, dangerous thing to do because you can never take back what you've given away for free. There's some definite gotchas in building out that model.
0: Interesting, and I guess uh, one good example of you know uh, limiting what, on what uh, how much you have to do it for free. Zoom, so Zoom does give a lot of stuff for free, but they limit on you know some number of participants and the type, number of the length of the webinar or the length of the meeting that you can take. So I think Zoom is uh, doing really well uh, in terms of product-led growth. Is that so?
1: Yeah, So so I think Zoom is. Um, I think Zoom captures meetings for free at twenty minutes which is cool, right? Because I have enough time that I can jump on a call with someone. I can say, I'm going to use a free thing. I'm going to do this quick meeting. And I and I can experience a product and I can say, oh man, this product is way better than anything else I've, I've, I've used. And then it's a no brainer for me to upgrade to get to unlock the amount of time. Um, Grammarly is a good example of, of an upgrade point that I love where when you're actively writing within the free product, it's showing you a counter of all of the errors that it's finding when you're writing. And it's a no brainer for me to upgrade. So Dropbox is another one, right? So I, it's a no brainer for me to upgrade, to get more space. And so it really needs to be okay. I'm getting like core value, but it's just such a no brainer for me to upgrade to unlock this PQL point. And with the problem with Evernote is that they're there. Um, I think that they, I think that theirs was space originally, like it's, I use Evernote and I actually couldn't even tell you, I can tell you now because they've introduced a PQL point where you can, if you want to use it across three devices, you have to pay the money. But prior to that, as a person who used Evernote for maybe four or five years, I couldn't even tell you why, why I would upgrade or, or I couldn't even tell you once where they surfaced up a reason for me to upgrade. And that's, that's problematic
0: right and in all these all these uh examples that we mentioned about you know grammarly know, zoom or dropbox so then uh, so basically we are paying, if any user is paying for any of these tools uh so once they expire there or once they uh once their needs started growing beyond the limits uh, of the premium version so they, they become uh, like a product qualified lead so i i get that the perfect definition for that so, but how does product qualified lead, uh, you know, affect uh, in conversion? Because not a lot of companies or not a lot of SaaS companies focus on this particular uh, segment of uh, lead. And uh, I think I think it's a very important segment. And uh, how, I just want to know like how it affects the whole conversion part.
1: Yeah. So, product qualified leads. To explain to your listeners. So in the B two B company, traditionally you would have marketing qualified leads and then a sales qualified lead, and so you would create a lead. Uh, there would be some sort of um, usage event or some sort of score attached to that lead, and that would that would denote it as a marketing qualified lead. It would get passed the sales. Sales would mark that as an opportunity and say, yeah, this is a good quality lead, not become a sales qualified lead. And the difference is that a product qualified lead is actually based upon. Uh, usage within the product itself. So it's kind of a better indication that that person is a good fit for your business. So there's some sort of demographic information. You could say that companies of certain sizes, companies from certain locations, companies that have these certain characteristics that we can actually just get data for um, and, and to tell, coupled with a certain usage. And so there's a couple of type of product qualities we had in HubSpot where we had features we have feature-gated uh, product qualified leads where there were just features within our product set that you could not get unless you actually... Re- they were gated for free users and you had to reach out and connect with a salesperson. Then there were like trigger-based uh, PQLs where you could get a certain amount of feature for free. And when you've used that uh, amount of free usage, when you've reached the kind of limitation on that free usage, it would trigger a PQL modal. And that modal would say to you, hey, do you want to chat with one of our success coaches or book time with a rep to learn about why you should upgrade to a paid product. And then we just had like uh, usage PQLs where we, could, we knew that certain usage, if you exhibited certain usage patterns that you were, and you were a company of a certain size that had certain characteristics, we knew you were a good fit for our paid products and we could rotate those people to sales. And so we had three types of PQLs in our freemium model in HubSpot uh, that we could rotate to sales, but we also had the option for those people to upgrade themselves if they wanted to do that.
0: I agree with that and there's a lot of content uh, going out on product, uh, product-led growth and you know, you were also talking about it, There's a, there are a lot of people who are coming and speaking about product-led growth, there are a lot of articles uh, floating out there. So, uh, and why, why should, I just want to know like, why should companies, why should companies should care about this approach and they even start considering this approach or any other framework?
1: Yeah, I think that uh, you should care about it if it's a good fit for your customer and how your customer want to experience your product. So product-like growth is becoming a thing because I think in B2B, uh, we are starting to uh, think that the way customers want to experience products and choose their products is going to be more similar to like a B2C type experience where they don't want to talk to... They don't have to talk to people. They want to be able to do it by themselves. And so they want to do it in a low frictionless way. They may want to chat with you via chat. They may want to... Uh, you know, go through the onboarding themselves and then decide themselves after they've extracted value that this is a right fit for them versus having to be like, jump on a call, go through that kind of rigorous demo, be sold to for like 30 minutes. They actually want to do all that themselves. And, and also if you can figure it it depends again on the product but if you can figure out some sort of mechanics within the product-led growth that create a self-sustaining uh you know acquisition source for you and that your product can start to acquire users through either features that you've built that map to certain channels or through natural virality that is uh, a great thing for you there's a there's a product called loom and loom is another like similar to zoom as a video product it sounds like zoom but again they um they're they're on fire because their product is naturally viral it's product like growth they they the, the product naturally spreads from one user to the other so they don't have to spend as much time trying to figure out acquisition and they can spend more of their time trying to figure out retention trying to figure out user activation. And that's that's a real plus point for companies because most companies, the struggle is acquisition. I think it's the hardest thing to actually figure out, to create a, a real acquisition, a sustainable um, source um, or a couple of sources. And so I think the product-led growth uh, and it is a good thing for SaaS companies to figure out if it's a good fit for their customers and it's how their customers want to experience their product. I think a lot of companies are probably in the b 2 b space, a better fit for hybrid where you still have some type of product-led strategy blended together with a traditional sales model and you use more of the PQL type model. And then a lot of companies are still better suited to a sales model. And probably if they try to uh, implement a, Product-led growth strategy, it would be unsuccessful because that's not how customers want to experience their product. It's not how customers want to onboard themselves to the product. It's not how customers want to buy the product.
0: Interesting. So, I think if any company is you know planning to implement uh, this product-led growth framework, so it, it should really depend on what their product is and uh, how they've positioned it. And secondly, if, if their customers are, uh, if their customers have a resonance with uh, you know in application with this strategy is that are these two are these two things the, the the main vital things required to have in any company by product,
1: product yeah you can't you can't um force uh, go to markets on customers and and you can't kind of um fit your product to a go to market that doesn't work for that product i think that you probably build your product with a certain go to market in mind. So you can build a product with product led growth in mind. You can build a product and as you're building it saying, this is going to naturally acquire people through these channels because it's going to be freemium or these features are going to be freemium and this is how it's going to work. And they're going to naturally be able to, we're going to be able to onboard them onto this thing. Um, and they're going to be able to monetize and upgrade by doing these things. You have to think about it as like, like basically you're, it's really your product. Um, you know, you think about your, pro- your go to market as you're building your product. It's, and if it's, if you're trying to fit your product into a go to market, cause you just like that go to market, but the product or the customer is not a fit for that go to market. It's probably not going to work.
0: Yeah, so thanks a lot for your time, Kevin, and, uh, you know, thanks for doing this, and I think this, this will add on to uh, a lot of content which is already out there uh, on particular growth, and, you know, how people find balances.
1: Cool. Awesome. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thanks, Neil. So Talk to you later. Bye.